You're listening to the Rural Advancement Podcast. Rural Advancement provides resources to empower, equip, and encourage rural pastors and churches. Join our community by visiting us at ruraladvancement.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Rural Advancement. This is the podcast that is by rural leaders and for rural leaders. It is our goal every single week, week in and week out, to bring you content that is not just spoken to the rural church, but is spoken by people who get it, people who have lived, worked, and ministered in small, out-of-the-way places and understand the value of the work that God does there. I am your host, Joe Epley, and today we get an opportunity to interview a pastor and personal friend of mine, Greg Ledgerwood. We're going to be hearing his story. He's recently published a book, and I'm uh, super excited to be able to not only dive into the story of it, but truly just to promote it. I think it's a message that needs to be heard. It can bless a lot of people. And so we're going to dive into his life, and uh, and I'm pretty pumped. So uh, the name of the book is Champions, How to Be God's Champion in a Broken World. And as the podcast goes on, I'm sure near the end, we'll tell you where to find it. We'll have links in the show notes. Uh, but I do want to say hello to Pastor Greg. So Pastor Greg, how you doing, sir? Hey, I'm doing pretty good, Joe. Thanks for having me on today. Yeah, I'm excited to have you on. I'm, I'm pumped to interview you. I, I do know that, uh, you know, I've been friends for a long time. And this story that you share in this book is something I'd heard about, uh, honestly, for lack of a better term, kind of in whispers. Like I knew I knew a little bit of, of maybe the background. And yet from the story we're about to share, it's just it's powerful stuff. And I and I just love the journey you've been on with it. Uh, but first, uh, what we usually do with any guest is we just love to let people know where you've been and what you've done. And so um, describe for us your background in ministry and specifically, you know, your connection to the rural church. Well, I uh, pastor here in Ennis, Montana. It's a town of about a thousand people. So that's pretty rural. Um, our Walmart is uh, an hour away in the big metropolis of really. Montana. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and before that, we were in Sydney, Montana. And uh, that's a town of about 5,000. And believe it or not, our Walmart was further away when we lived there. So we've learned to do a lot of uh, strategic planning when it comes to groceries in the house. So, sure, you know. sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I love, man, I love rural ministry because you don't just minister to your church folk. You uh, minister to the entire town. So I love it. Yeah. And you've been a uh, lead pastor in Ennis for how long? Uh, nine years. Man, nine years. I love that. And before that, I mean, Sydney, you were still in Sydney about a decade, weren't you? Yeah, 10 years, a little little longer than 10 years. Man, I love that. There's nothing like longevity in small town places. It really goes far. And from what I understand, too, didn't you tell me that your dad, I mean, you mentioned in the book, but your dad kind of grew up pastoring small town churches, too, right? Right. We uh, kind of grew up that way. So uh, we made stops in Utah and Colorado and Oklahoma and all three of those states, we were in smaller towns. So, yeah. I love that. Kind of in the blood, I guess. Yeah, yeah. No, that's fair. Well, and I love it. I mean, one of the big things, obviously, we champion on this podcast is uh, is believing that God does cool works. And I know that uh, I've been at your church and had the privilege to speak there. And I love seeing what God's doing at Ennis and, and what God's done through previous ministries. And so it kind of ties into our story today. But, uh, but I do want to maybe dive into the book itself. So obviously, as I mentioned... Uh, the book is Champions, you know, how to be God's champion in a broken world. And this story really is the story of your life and what God has taught you from it. But this is the first time that the story's really been told in this way. And so what prompted you to kind of write this book now? And who's the target audience you're hoping to reach? And and, and maybe familiarize us too with the story. Like what's the what was the life event? And then of course, what what prompted you to tell that story now? Uh well, um, 
Why now? It actually is 25 years removed from the catalyst event that took place. And that was the death of my uh, first wife. Um, shortly after she gave birth to our uh, daughter, Rachel. Um, so, you know, it's taken about, honestly, Joe, it's taken about 15 years to write this book since the first time I pinned an outline and started stirring in my heart to share the messages that God has taught me. But, uh, you know, working with people, I, I've really kind of found that a lot of Christians seem to have what I call an Eeyore Christianity outlook. Sure. When things when things don't work their way, uh, we tend to pout. We tend to get disappointed. We question whether God exists, and sometimes it doesn't even have to be a cataclysmic event like the death of a spouse to bring that on. Uh, because I find that sometimes our our theology is a little shallow when it comes to how we view God and His goodness. Mm. Um, we base his goodness on the goodness of our day and the events going our way rather than how the character of who God is, regardless as to what's going on around us. So, uh, yeah, it's been a long process. So why now? It's just because it's really, number one, it's the result of 15 years of really fine-tuning this message and getting it ready to, to be put into people's hands and going through the rejection process, <laughs> because sure. I am a rural pastor, my platform is not really large enough for, you know, like a, you know, you, you pick the name brand pastor sure. out there, they could write a book and then they'll be published for them. So, so it's taken a little while to get to where we are just because of those type of things. But I also think that it's just the right time. For that message to get out there to the American church, especially. So my target audience, obviously, is for people who have uh, gone through trauma. Yes, but it goes beyond that too. Uh, it, it, it goes to any Christian wanting to know how to take the, the Romans chapter eight, verse thirty-seven, that we are more than conquerors through Christ, mm. and figure out how that works in everyday life when we have a lot of disappointments that takes place in our lives as well. So uh, hopefully that answers all the, yeah, the questions. Yeah, no, absolutely. There. Yeah, you know, there's there's something to be said for a message that forms in our heart. And the ones that I want to listen to are when someone does approach me with what you've just said, say, hey, this has been a life journey of mine. This is a lesson that has been hard fought and hard wrought and is now at a place of uh, being shared. And so I just encourage anybody, you know, uh, especially knowing, you know, kind of what formed the book and and where it's going, and and uh, and I'm excited for for people to take advantage of that to read that, you know, because those are the kind of lessons I think that can obviously have shaped your life, but can shape ours as well. Um, I did notice that you included elements kind of of a workbook, you know, in in your book. You know, you have questions and and times to pause and reflect. And I'm always curious as to people's process, but like, what made you choose that format instead of just telling your story? Like, why include this workbook element to it? Yeah, I love that question, Joe. Uh, really, I think it's because I'm a rural pastor, and uh, I think that I enjoy leading people mm. through a process of self-discovery. And uh, even my preaching style on Sundays, it, there's a lot of interaction. Um, it's not like a classroom, uh, definitely, but I, I, I thrive on that. And, and the goal of the message of this book, to bring hope to people, um, is not just to inspire you from my story, but I, I want people to discover for themselves scripturally and through their own experience with Jesus, how they can have this champion status in Christ 
no matter what is happening in their life. So that's that's why I chose that format. And it's not throughout the entire book. There's, you know, in the middle, there's the intermission where there's a workbook. And then at the end, there's the champion circle where we kind of uh, spend some time allowing you to process uh, all the lessons that have been talked about in there. Yeah, absolutely. And I love that your pastoral heart uh, shines through that because, again, it's one thing to say, here's my story and how it changed me, but to invite people into your pain into your experiences for the sake of yeah drawing us all closer to Jesus. I uh I had a friend and I, I will always love uh their take on this but they said that one of their favorite things about Christianity is that everyone highlights different verses in their bible, right? Like I might read Romans 8:37 where we are more than conquerors a dozen times and and never approach it with the depth uh that your life and and unfortunately the tragedies within it have have produced. And so uh, I'm just encouraged that you chose to, again, invite people into that process. So I wanted to pick a piece of encouragement from the book, right? You mentioned that right after your wife died, uh, you struggled with believing God was present because of the result, right? And obviously, walking into that process, you know, uh, gave birth to your daughter, Rachel, had medical complications, ended up passing away, which is, of course, such a short version. I mean, I was, I cried like three times in that chapter. You know, I was just, I just couldn't handle it. I was like, wow, wow. what a heavy story, you know, but, uh, but um, you mentioned that there was, that, that as you kind of got good counsel, as you looked back over those days and weeks that probably felt like an eternity, uh, that there were some unexpected ways that God was present. And so um, what were some of those ways and how would you encourage pastors to try and see God in their own tough moments? Yeah, well, there, there was a moment there after she'd passed away that I definitely was going through the motions of a youth pastor. And I share this definitely in the book, you know, where I took the uh, kids to camp that following, you know, a summer and man, I thought I was done. You know, who who is going to put up with a pastor whose wife has passed away he's trying to raise his daughter and all i'm doing is trying to keep my head above water sure. and that's about it you know trying to survive but i was going through the motions the first night the evangelist camp evangelist you know does his thing preaches about salvation right sure, and, sure yeah i had a couple of my kids respond so what do i do you know i even though in my heart i'm not even present you know but i I walk down there and I start praying for those kids. And then next thing I know, my entire youth group has come down around mm. me and they were praying for me. Oh, wow. And so, yeah. And I, I just, I, I open my eyes up and here they all circled around me and, and they're just passionately going after God on my behalf. And in the middle of all that, the, the Holy Spirit just spoke to me in a still small voice uh, to go find a, a quiet place in the tabernacle somewhere and uh you know again this is a pentecostal style yeah uh, sure, camp. Sure. It, it's not quiet in there by any stretch of the imagination but i did happen to uh you know i dismissed myself from the kids gave them a couple things to pray about you know for me in particular since that's what they were wanting to do and i went and found a spot by myself and this guy shows up shortly after i just sat down and he looked at me I, and i and I knew a lot of the people at, at camp. We worked together. We do all this. I've never seen this guy before. And I never saw him the rest of the camp either. And so I'm of the opinion now that I may have had an angelic, you sure. know, visitation sure, in sure. that moment. But he looked at me and he had a message for me. And this is what's beautiful about God is that in the middle of your time, when you think that you're done, he reminds you that you really are still his champion, mm. you know? And uh, so the, the encouragement was, and this is pretty much word for word still, even, you know, 25 years sure, later, sure. pretty much. You know? 
It was uh, Tyro. He said, there's a great future ahead for me. And hold on to the rope. Don't let go. Don't give up. Tie a knot in it if you have to. But don't let go because God has mm. great things in store for you. And so, again, that would be just one antidote of how God intervened in, in that process and just reminded me that, you know what? This may, uh, it may suck right now, yeah, for but sure. you still, you still are God's champion in this moment. So, yeah. yeah. And how, and where do you think, uh, where do you think people should look when they're feeling hopeless and they, they don't see any signposts or obvious ways that God's moving where, how can they see God when it's hard to do so? Um, well, first of all, scripture, yeah. I mean, you hang your hat on that, right? And and again, Romans eight thirty seven comes into play. In all these things, we are more than conquerors, and that's where I, I take in the book too. Is as I focus in on what in all these things is, because if you look at what Paul's talking about there, his list that he's referring to is not what we would call a wonderful list of things. It's sure. in it's in it's in death. It's in you know all kinds of crazy things that happens in life. And you look at Paul's life itself, when he says in all these things, we are more than conquerors, he's talking about the tough times in life. So first of all, you got to turn to scripture. And second of all, just, you know, rest in who God is, who you've known him to be. And I think sometimes even embrace the pain, mm. even embrace the moment of suffering while you're going through it, knowing that this is not your identity. Hmm. That's the other reason why it took me 25 years to write the book, Joe, is because I didn't, I never wanted people to look at me and say, Hey, that's the guy who lost his wife. Hmm. I wanted people to know me for what God has done in my life hmm. and who God is in my life, not by the tragedy. So 25 years later, here I am willing to talk about it, but I, I, I've ran into a lot of people when they hear my story and they look at me and say, I never knew that. Sure. And that's what I have to say. Well, it's not, you know, it's not something I go broadcast everywhere, but what you see today, who you see today is a result of what God has done. So mm. I give him all the glory. I love that. Well, I want to break down one of my favorite quotes in the book because you mentioned a time and and a lot of this is is paralleling where it's it's the process of grief, but it's also your own spiritual journey in the midst of that process. And you mentioned right. uh, that you kind of had a had a point where you were stalled out, where you were just looking and going, "Man, how do I how do I make space in my life to move forward?" And it's it's one of my favorite quotes in the whole book. And you said, "When the present becomes more valuable than the future, we are effectively removing our champion status championship status from our lives." So, talk us through your heart behind this thought. You know what? Because I found it so deeply encouraging. But I want you to pass on that encouragement to our listeners as well. Right. So what I discovered that had happened, and, and this was because I had some people speaking in my life in that moment, too, that was encouraging me to, to move forward. Um, but what I discovered was a lot of times when we walk through tragedy, we uh, develop um, life supporting systems. And uh, just, again, trying to, to keep ourselves above water and yeah, trying to float. Right. 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 <laughs> and so some of those relationships that I had in my life were were that they were basically life support. And just like in the medical world, when people are put on life support, it's meant to bridge you to a point where you can be healthy and start maintaining your own 
heartbeat or your own ability to breathe. But if you allow that that breathing machine, the ventilator to be on you too long, it will rob you of your own ability to breathe for yourself because atrophy mm-hmm. will set in and your diaphragm won't be developed enough to be able to handle pushing air in and out of your lungs anymore. Well, it's the same thing spiritually. When we settle in these moments and become comfortable with where we are at because we've developed these life support systems, it will rob us actually of what God has for us. And in the end, isn't what we want from God anyways, life with him forever in heaven. And so are we really wanting contentment here or are we willing to go through whatever we got to go through here, this side of heaven to know that what we're champions for hasn't even been seen yet. And that's when we mm-hmm. see Jesus face to face. So, uh, and there, there were some definitely some catalysts in my life that helped me to move forward. I had a pastor, my lead pastor, that uh, at one point looked at me and said, you need to go. And I hated him for it. That's a strong word, but I did. I, I misunderstood what he was doing. He told me in that moment that in five years, I'd appreciate what he had done. <laughs> you know, sure. so it, it honestly, it took me a lot longer than that. Uh, to appreciate it, but I did eventually go back to him and thank him. Oh, good. Thank him for being God's voice in my life to help prompt me to to get out of comfort and to move forward into what what God has for me. Otherwise, I, you know, I've got three more girls now, married again, man, and do an, an amazing, amazing, amazing woman of God. Yeah, and that's really cool. I think I think it is is tempting. I was just thinking the other day where. Uh, you know, there's, there's things that happen in life. Like I had a, a pain in my jaw, you know, and, and just the other day. And I remember thinking, man, when this started, it was really annoying. And now I'm just kind of used to it. Right. You know? And now I'm like, but, but that's the thing It's like, you don't want to ever just settle and say, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm used to it. It's not really bugging me that much when really it represents a lessening, uh, you know, of, of what God has for us. And so um, I love hearing that encouragement. I thought that was just such a powerful sentiment to say like, Hey, no matter how easy it is, because uh, obviously within that season, there was a hundred small, painful, you know, bandaid ripping off was probably even the, the lightest way to say that decisions that you had to make uh, to process through grief and, and to let, you know, God continue to use you and his story. And so um, it's powerful stuff. Well, obviously today we've kind of covered this in a tip of the iceberg fashion. Right. Um, and I really encourage all of our listeners to uh, to check out the book. And so Pastor Greg, where can people purchase the book? And if they are struggling with tragedy, what's the best way to connect with you personally? Uh, well, they can get it on Amazon and uh, just search for Champions Book and it'll pop right up there at the top of the list. Uh, you can also search my name, Greg Ledgerwood on Amazon, and it'll pop right up there too. Uh, you can get it that way. Um, and if they want to get a hold of me, they can find me on Facebook. I'm uh, pretty available there. Um, or um, they can reach out to you. I'm sure you have access to sure, sure. and uh, can definitely do my best to uh, respond to people as best I can. Awesome. Well, I just want to say thanks again, Pastor Greg, for being on here. Again, the story you shared and the, the heart behind why you shared it is just really encouraging to me. And I think it's going to be encouraging for a lot of people. Yeah. Th- thanks for having me, man. What a privilege. And uh, Joe, it's been fun watching you, buddy. I'm proud of you. And thanks for what you do. Absolutely. Well, hey, from all of us at Rural Advancement, we just want to say uh, once again that uh, we're glad you tuned in. It's our hope every single week to bring you content that is spoken right to where you're at. And so we hope that you leave challenged and encouraged and inspired. You can definitely check out the book Champions in the show notes. 
Um, and you can definitely reach out to the show or again, find Pastor Greg Ledgerwood on Facebook. Uh, but as far as spreading the word about this podcast in most rural of fashions, you could always leave us a rating or a review, but honestly, uh, the best way for this podcast to spread is just for one pastor to look at another and say, hey, I got a conversation I want you to be a part of. So uh, once again, I've been your host, Joe Epley. He has been Pastor Greg Ledgerwood, and we will see you next week. Mm-hmm.